Welcome back, everyone, to this second episode of There's a River podcast. We're so thankful you could join us once again. Here, coming to you again with the same strong conviction that God is good and that rivers of blessing are available in Christ our Savior and uh, that we can tap into them, even in this world that may be full of, of fears and, and seem like there's much trouble about the river of life is greater than all of that. So going back to the idea of our thirst, the thirst that we have for God at all times, I want to read from Psalm 63. It says, O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsts for thee, my flesh longs for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is, to see thy power and thy glory, so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. So that's our desire. We, we know, right, we know that uh, just from walking through this world that it's a dry world, thirsty, and we need something to quench our thirst. And Psalm 63 here says the only thing that's going to quench our thirst is what's coming from God. So we just want to dive into this a little deeper and go back to Psalm 1 uh, and the idea that we want to be like trees planted by the riverbanks. Trees planted by the riverbanks, bringing forth fruit in every season, uh, never withering, but being strong, planted by the rivers of water, the river of life. And we remember from Psalm 1 that the way that we do that is we delight in the law of the Lord. We delight in the words of God. It is in then that we find life. And so we want to now add sort of the parallel idea to the river of life, which is the word of life. And joining me today, I'm happy to announce, is John Ash, my daddy. And I'm happy to have him, excited to have him here to talk about this, the river of life and the word of life. So whenever you think of these topics, what's some of the first thing that comes to your mind? Well, I uh, appreciate you having me on today. In fact, there's something I want to say before I answer your question. Um, really am pleased that you've taken on this endeavor and your, I believe your focus and your desire for it is, is excellent. And so I would just declare, uh, this is my beloved son and whom I am well pleased. And so I hope it continues to go really well for, you know, the parallel, yes, between the word of God and this river of life, the word of life. Uh, I think when we last, I know the last podcast you mentioned in Ezekiel that from the temple flowed this river, right? And also we see in Revelation from the throne of God, there's this river that flows, this river of life. And I do see the parallel, it's such a beautiful parallel because both of them are coming forth from the throne or from God's temple, from this place of authority, and so we sense that there's there's an authority, there's a king on that throne, okay, and that he has a law, and that, that that law is is coming forth from the throne, and it's a law of blessing. It's it's there to give us life, and um, the word of life come uh, through that and through the word of God, of course, Jesus being the word, which in the beginning was with God, and was God, and so. Um, I think there is there's a beautiful parallel then where we see, for instance, in Ephesians 5, uh, the, the verse there is uh, in verse 25, husbands love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, 
that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. So again, we kind of see these metaphors of the, the word of life and the river of life, the water of life come together. And we see that it, it has a great, um, it's connected in, in how then we understand what it is then that brings us this life, this life-giving message, and it's going to be uh, God's word. God's word, yeah. Whenever you talk about that river coming from the throne and from the king, this life of this river of blessing coming from the king, it reminds me of, of Romans 8, where it says the law of the spirit of life has made me free from the law of sin and death. This law coming from the king, it definitely does bring life. Are there some other passages then that, that have to do that connect these these two ideas? Right. I think uh, certainly we see when um, people had been leaving uh, Jesus at one time there, and uh, he said, well, you go away as well. And Simon Peter answered in John 6, 68, he says, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And so uh, in Philippians also, chapter 2, verse 16, he says, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain and labored in vain. And then perhaps my favorite uh, regarding the word of life would be 1 John 1 and 1, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. And so this was John, the apostle who leaned upon Jesus' breast at the Last Supper, and, um, and he's saying, we, we saw him, we looked upon him, we handled this word of life that came forth from the throne of God, uh, just as the river of life comes forth as well. Yeah, whenever you read that from Philippians, holding the word of life, holding on to it, you know, is like we were talking about in John the other day, keeping the word. He says, keep my commandments, keep my words, treasure them, hold them close. And then Paul says to the Philippians, hold on to the word of life so that so that what I've done here won't be in vain. To do something in vain is, is to get nothing for it, to be empty-handed. Vain means empty. So the idea being, if you're not holding on to the word of life, if you're not holding on to the things that, the words that come from God, uh, what you're doing will end up being empty. It'll, it'll end up not producing the glory of God. So what I want to do now... I believe is read from Isaiah 35. We really thought that this captured uh, some of the essence of what is offered to us in the word of life and, and in the river of life, made it a little more practical. We do want to offer you, friends, some, some more practical things. It's wonderful to think about the word of life, you know, as the answer to our, to our problems, as the relief, as being completely sufficient and we often say, you know, Jesus is the answer, and it's true, but it doesn't always help us with, okay, what do I do today? How do I, how do I see this? How does this come to me practically? So I want to read this entire chapter. It's not a long chapter from Isaiah, chapter 35, and it, it speaks about what happens when Jesus comes. You know, some, some of what happens whenever Jesus literally comes back, but whatever happens, what does Jesus bring to us? So I'll just go ahead and read that now. It says, The wilderness and the wasteland shall be glad for them. 
and the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice, even with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the excellence of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the excellency of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are fearful hearted, be strong, do not fear. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. With the recompense of God, he will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer and the tongue of the dumb shall sing for water shall burst forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The parched ground shall become a pool and the thirsty land springs of water. In the habitation of jackals, where each lay, there shall be grass with reeds and rushes. A highway shall be there and a road, and it shall be called the highway of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for others. Whoever walks the road, although a fool shall not go astray. No lion shall be there, nor any ravenous beast go upon it. It shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing, with everlasting joy on their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. <laughs> that is so beautiful. Um, and, you know, I believe what you're talking about now with, with making it practical, you know, yes, Jesus is the answer to all our troubles. We know that he took care of our sin. He's redeemed us. We have eternal life in him. That's great. But we face challenges each day. We have wounds. Uh, we, we are, are downhearted um, and, and burdened at times. And so we have to make this real. And I think perhaps um, there's no better example of it, I guess, than when, when Paul had preached the gospel in Philippi and of course, they put him in prison. They beat him, and he was he was wounded. And he's in stocks. I can't imagine that having your arms and feet in stocks would be at all comfortable. He's in the prison at midnight, and he's singing. He's singing praises to God, you know. And so, I mean, that's an idea of whenever you have troubles and you're you're way down, you have to remember there are deeper truths. And this, when Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, he's that truth that we can hold on to, that he, he, he came, he suffered for us, he bled and died, he was bruised for our iniquities, okay? He understands where we are. And so this, this is when we remember the deeper truth. It may seem tough right now, but he was just focusing on some things that were beyond this world, and he still had joy in the depth of his heart. Now that's an amazing thing, but I believe it's accessible to us. I believe we can have that if we will remember the greater truth beyond. It's true that we're hurting. It That's true, okay? And we don't deny it or diminish that. It's very true, but he promised he'll never leave us. And so we'd rely on his promises that he will carry us through. There's a bright, a, a great day coming, a brighter day. There's hope. We never lose hope. It's the anchor of our soul. And so I think that um, if we'll remember the word of God and write it in our heart, then we'll have it there 
when times seem tough, seem impossible, maybe, that we have a deliverer and we do not despair. Yeah, I love that idea of deeper truths. What are what are some of your favorite deeper truths? If, some, if you know, if you do get heavy hearted, if something does weigh on you pretty heavily, what are some things that can just recenter you, realign your heart with with these deeper truths in Christ? Yes, I think probably Psalm 23 is about as good as any. Um, you know, I will fear no evil. I will fear no evil or you're with me, you know, um, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Um, our shepherd is there. He comforts us. He prepares for us. He, he provides for us. And we're going to be dwelling in his house forever, forever and ever. We're going we're gonna to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And he says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. He says, I will, you know, I'm, I'm going, but I will come again. I'll take you there. I'm preparing a place for you, a mansion. Um, these kind of things, the hope that we have in him, and also the fact that we saw him raise, you know, we understand he rose from the grave. We believe the testimony. And with that, with knowing that kind of power, what can he not handle? What can he not provide for us, right? Um, and, and even though we may suffer, um, we know the end. We know where we're headed and how it's all going to come uh, to his glory. Yes. The last verse there in Isaiah 35 talks so much about joy and reminds me of, of John 15 whenever Jesus is talking about the blessing that he's brought through his word, through keeping his commandments. And he says, he says, I'm, I'm telling you these things so your joy will be full. In the last verse of Isaiah 35, the ransom to the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing, with everlasting joy on their heads, and they shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. So there's a time coming when that will eternally be the case, but isn't that something we do now as well? We can, we can tap into now as well. I believe, absolutely. That's what we saw uh, Paul doing there uh, in, in the prison. And of course he was delivered and, and his faith even saved others there as he preached the gospel to them. And so, you know, but we're in a world where their troubles, their conflict, you know, I think the best definition I've heard of the world is, you know, it's our agreements. We just all come to an agreement, decide, oh, this is okay now, even though maybe the word of God, you know, we didn't prove it, we didn't hold fast to the word, but we just all come to an agreement, oh, this is okay, we're going to go ahead and do these things now. Or I think more subtly, we come to the agreement that this is the way it is. Yeah. Like, yeah. life is kind of hard, life is kind of blah really bad things happen and you just kind of go on and that's the way life is you know say la vie is what they say right mm -hmm. and uh and that's not the abundant life that jesus jesus had for us jesus i think you know part of what he did when he came was he transformed our vision of what life is supposed to be life you know a lot of people say is just hard life is hard and then you die right that's the same but that's not what jesus offers jesus offers joy in this life jesus offers peace the kind of peace that's that's a, a deep wellness within us the type of blessing that is so great we can't receive in the midst of yes some hard things you know some some difficulties some things besetting us but so much blessing when we walk in the light of his word and so is there anything else you wanted to bring out from psalm 35 
or sorry, Isaiah 35. <laughs> right. Well, I think, no, I think I'll go back and just say, you know, the Psalm 23, surely uh, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And, uh, you know, that might be sprinkled in with some hardships and trials, yes, but but David's focus was just the goodness and the mercy of God. It's, it's going to always be there, and uh, it gives us such, such hope and stability in our lives. Mm -hmm. On this topic, I want to go to Psalm 143. David here is expressing some rough stuff in his life. He's talking about how the enemy is chasing him down, persecuting him, persecuting not only his body, but his soul. He describes in some detail some, some rough things that he's going to. And he comes to the end of describing this and he says, therefore, my spirit is overwhelmed within me. My heart within me is distressed. And I think we can all relate to that at some point. That's kind of what you're saying. We get weighed down, we get wounded. We can relate sometimes, maybe right now, to my heart within me is distressed. But David gives us a glimpse into what, what helps that, you know? Mm -hmm. He says, I remember the days of old. I meditate on all your works. I muse on the work of your hands. I reach out my hands to you. My soul longs for you like a thirsty land. So he acknowledges his thirst, but he says, what I'm going to do here to get my mind right, to get my heart undistressed, to make my spirit not no longer overwhelmed, I'm going to meditate on the works of God. I think you could say on the attributes of God, on the characteristics of God, on what God habitually does. And these words, what I really wanted to pull out of this is it's not, you know, you're mentioning these situations and you remember the goodness of God, you remember the deeper truths and promises of God, that it's not a not always a momentary thing. I think you could have a momentary improvement when you remember something good about God. But these words that David uses here, meditate and muse, these are deep and kind of long-lasting words. These are things that that it seems he needed to root himself in over maybe a significant period of time. Meditate is not a three second endeavor, right? And neither is muse. These are, these are deep contemplation of just how good the Lord has been, just all the ways that he's proven his love for us. And we can see that in our own lives. I think it is one of the most helpful things you can do to look back on your life and look at the ways that God has provided for you, that he has pulled you out of trouble, that he has, has healed your soul, in the past, look in the Bible, all the things he did for his people. And then, you know, his love, of course, is forever and finally and fully proven in his work on the cross. So when we meditate in that and what, what that has purchased for us, and we, we stay our minds on those things, even on like Psalm 23, if we repeat to ourselves and meditate and muse on the fact that God is our shepherd, that we won't lack anything that we need, that goodness and mercy really will follow us all the days of our life and we'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Then I think we see, we start to see the lasting effects of abiding in the truth of Christ. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I, th I think again about the washing of water by the word. That means it's like taking a bath. You know, I think we need, we need the hot tub. Okay. Of God's mm -hmm. word. We don't just need a quickie 
quickie shower here. We need to soak in it, okay, and be washed in his word and revived in that. And of course, Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount, you know, he said, uh, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. So if you hunger and thirst, he said, you will be filled. And I was reading in Isaiah 55, it says, Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters, and he that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. So these gifts we have of God's word are freely given to us. And we can, we can take them, take this water of life and, and, and just be blessed and be renewed in our minds and our spirit. And um, so it's, it's just amazing uh, what's available for us. Um, sometimes the enemy might, might uh, just, you know, distort our vision and we get off track, but we need to come back to these things and remember the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. Mm -hmm. I could just feel my heart lifting as you read that, that about the graciousness of our God, about his kindness, his generosity. To everyone that thirsts, he says, come, come to the waters. Everyone that has no money, now I'm reading it, come ye buy and eat without price. And um, I think, I think, friends, that's what we want to leave you with, that I pray that you would meditate on, on just the generosity of God and pouring out blessing upon us and pouring out his word, which brings life to us. And it's one of the very, very last things in the entire Bible is come, this invitation reiterated as it has been so many times in the Bible, invitation of come, let him that is a thirst come and whosoever will let him take the water of life freely. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. That is his desire for us. He delights in the prosperity of his servants and how blessed we truly are.